How many remember Chester Good? Chester Good, you know, Chester, he had a bum knee. And we knew he had a bum knee because every time he came in to see Matt Dillon, he'd go, Mr. Dillon, Mr. Dillon. And he was limping on that knee. I don't know if it was the right knee or the left knee. I can't remember now, but Chester Good had a bum knee. And Matt Dillon was his side, he was Matt Dillon's sidekick. Mr. Dillon, Marshall Dillon, Marshall Dillon. Have you ever had a bum knee? Some of us have had bum knees. Some of us had knee replacements. A wise man once told me, most everyone I know in life has had some setback that they will have to deal with. Everyone. Life has confirmed that to me as well. There are things that happen in life that are setbacks. There are things that happen in life that are trials that we have to go through. Whether it's a traumatic experience or some injustice that happens, a physical disability, uh, maybe even it's a bum knee. You're going to go through some kind of hardship at some point in your life and you're going to have to deal with it. Whether it's a lifelong event or whether it's just a single event that happens for a period of time. There's going to be those times in life when you are handed a bum knee. In the case of the people who were receiving this letter that we call Hebrews, there was something happening to them just because they were followers of Jesus. We don't know ex the exact nature of it, but we, we do know that it was as bad as having their property taken from them, being publicly insulted, persecuted, and some were even imprisoned. That bum knee idea, at least for some of them, left them limping from it. They were, they were being trialed. They were being, going through a situation. So in the 12th chapter of this letter, the writer gives them some help in dealing with those trials. The message to them and to us today centers around one word, and that word is discipline. What was happening to them wasn't without meaning, it was discipline. To understand the bum knees of life, we have to understand that they are often used by God as discipline. Discipline is like communication. It has two ends. There's the dispensing of it, and there's the receiving of it. There's the dispensing end of discipline, and there's the receiving end of discipline. There's a person who dispenses it, and for it to work, it has to be done correctly. Parents have to love their kids first Yet, discipline has to come out of that love for the child to succeed. The reason the so-called experts of our time have failed to understand this is because they don't understand how discipline is the loving thing to do. They don't understand that. With discipline, rightly given, its basis is love 
and the goal is for the person receiving it. Yeah, I was spanked as a child. I'm an example of what a spanked child will become. So that might not, that just blew my theory right out the door, didn't it? Now, this is what a spanked child looks like. For me, a better form of discipline was to be grounded. I hated being, not being able to be around my friends, to be grounded. When I remember about being disciplined, isn't the spankings or the grounding, it was the fact that my parents loved me. And I didn't, I didn't believe the old saying, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. You know, I, that line at the time just didn't hold any water to me. But as I've grown older, I understand the term much better, as I've had to parent my own children. Discipline has to be controlled by and dispensed with love, or else discipline won't work. It won't work. Now, the other end of that is the receiving end. This has to be done correctly, too. You have to receive discipline the right way also. If not, discipline won't work. Discipline has to be given correctly and it has to be received correctly. The chapter of Hebrews that we're going to look at this morning deals with both ends of it. Bum knees and all, in life, the things are going to happen. It doesn't even have to be for punishment because that's not all that discipline is for. Sometimes discipline is not for punishment. What these readers had to do and what we have to do is decide how we're going to respond to it. How will we respond to discipline? So let's jump into the middle of the text and consider how we can handle it. It starts with Hebrews chapter 12 verses 4 through 6. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord's disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Whose discipline? The Lord's. When who rebukes you? Who disciplines those he loves? Who punishes those he accepts as children? The Lord. It's not a new idea. It's right out of Proverbs chapter 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. The, the people who are receiving this letter had forgotten all of this. Does it seem strange to you that God calls this His discipline? God's pretty much saying, this is me. This is my discipline. I guarantee you that it wasn't godly people 
who were persecuting these Christians. It wasn't the godly people that were persecuting them. It wasn't the godly people who were seizing their property, who were publicly shaming them. In God's economy of things, for Him to allow something is just as much in His control as for Him to cause it. Now we'll, we'll talk about that a little more, but keep that in mind. Whether you're lying in a hospital because you got drunk and drove into a telephone pole, or you're lying there because someone else got drunk and drove into you, either way, you're still lying in a hospital. Whether he caused it directly or allowed someone else to just to make a mess of life, God is still in control and God will still use whatever he chooses for his purpose. He is still in control. It's just interesting that at this point to help them understand it all, the Holy Spirit talks about all of this as God's discipline. And God's discipline will happen. We don't have control of that. But what we do have control of is our attitude and our response. So that's where this text is actually focusing. It's going to focus on our response. So the first thing that we find here is what's the wrong response to discipline? What's the wrong response to discipline? Uh, another way to put it might be what not to say when you get spanked. Having been a child and a parent, I can tell you that there are certain things that you do not say when you get spanked or about to get spanked. Like, let me know when you're done. <laughs> that usually does not work in your favor. Before Kim and I moved to Bern, we'd build a new house in Bluffton. And at the time, it was the best addition in town. Now, we've been here over 30 years now, so it's been a day or two. Now that addition has been placed 30 years later and is a nice addition, but it's not the best in town anymore. But still a nice place. But we did everything right financially. We put a lot of our own sweat equity into the place. But three years later, through a series of things that happened, it became apparent that our best scenario would be to sell the house and move to burn. And I was not happy about it. You see, my identity had become how successful I could be. My success in my work and how it reflected in my success in where I lived and the car I drove and on and on it went. So to be, in my opinion, losing all of that, well, I was ticked. I was not happy. I would walk through the woods behind the house praying, or should I say, I would walk through the woods behind the house complaining to God. And, and, and it sounded something like this. 
If, and in fact, it sounded exactly like this. If this is how you treat your friends, I would hate to be one of your enemies. That's an example of the wrong way to respond to discipline. Did you notice how many times I said my success or I in that story? Kim had let it go a long time before I did. In fact, she was ready to move on. But I was so worried about the perceived success that I had forgotten to follow God. I started putting success ahead of God. And then one day I came upon a passage in Isaiah chapter 43. Verse 18 and the first part of 19. It said, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Well, I put that verse on the refrigerator because I often visit the refrigerator. And I would read it several times a day. And at first it was just words. Didn't mean much to me. It was just words, but I felt like if I read it long enough, I'll convince myself. And eventually it started to become a reality to me. The verse became real. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy for me. But I did learn. <laughs> that says a whole lot about me too. And learning doesn't come easy for me. Remember Hebrews 12.5 says, Do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't regard it lightly. Don't ignore it. If, if God is working to change something in your life, listen. Listen to it. For some people, the reading of this letter, God was letting them go through tough times so that they would somehow learn to be stronger. But we can't take every negative thing that happens to us and pronounce it a judgment from God. But at the same time, we need to tune in to life's problems and ask God, what are you trying to teach me through this? What if God is trying to get your attention and you're ignoring it? What if the thing that you're going through was supposed to be a wake-up call to you, but you're choosing to sleep through it? Imagine a few examples from the Bible. You're outside the ark. You're treading water. And you tell me that you're ignoring it because God is dispensing discipline. Or you're the prophet Jonah and you've been thrown overboard in the middle of a storm and swallowed by a huge fish. Is God trying to tell you something? Or are you just having a bad week? You're Balaam and you're on a journey that you shouldn't be taking. You know you're going the wrong direction. And two times your donkey veers off the road. Sometimes donkeys have more sense than people. But you manage to ignore the signs and finally after your donkey just stops and won't move anymore and you start beating her. And she turns around and says to you, why have you beaten me these three times? Would you listen? I mean, it's just a talking donkey. I've seen that on Shrek. 
You're carrying out the body of Ananias. He's struck dead by God for lying. And as you throw the shovel of dirt over his face, do you think about the importance of being truthful? Sometimes maybe we need to wake up and smell the coffee. That's one of Kim's favorite things to do. Waking up and smelling the coffee. But sometimes we need to actually realize what's going on. Be careful not to impose this on someone else. Be careful not to misinterpret it, but ignore it. Uh, but don't ignore, ignore it either. If God is trying to get your attention. We don't want to impose this on somebody else. Well, this is a good, a good lesson for Larry Neuenschwander. You know, this is a good lesson for me, Larry. But no, what, how does it apply to me? How does it apply to me? I use Larry because he's, he can take it. <laughs> is God trying to get your attention? Don't try to enter the race while you're ignoring that bum knee. Don't go into the race with the bum knee. Another wrong way to regard God's discipline is to lose heart. Be faint or overwhelmed by it. In other words, don't take every bum knee in life and say, I'm just going to die. Once in a while, it's necessary to remember what Proverbs 23, 13, and 14 tells us. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with the rod, he will not die. Punish him with the rod and save his soul from death. It's kind of funny, sort of, to watch a child get grounded who thinks that's punishment's going to kill them. It's kind of like, that's it. No TV, no video games for the whole day. Oh, no. I can't survive that, Dad. That's going to kill me. No, I don't think it will. I don't think it will. I didn't kill those people in 1920. They didn't have either one of them. It's not going to kill you. I wonder if sometimes God doesn't just shake his head at us when we overreact to the hardships and turn desperate rather than learn from them. Look at it again. Chapter four, Verse 4 it says, You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. Does that mean it's not hard? No, it doesn't mean it's not hard at all. But it did mean that you could and would or could get worse and most likely there were others that resisted to the point of shedding blood. I mean, we think back to what our first passage of Scripture said. These people were being persecuted. They were losing their homes. They were being beaten. But for these people, they weren't supposed to lose heart or to feel undone by it. Too often, in the face of hard times, some people decide that God isn't being fair. He's being unjust, unkind, which is exactly how I felt in my situation at the time. God wasn't being unjust or unkind. I was ignoring Him. And He was trying to get my attention. And guess what? 
Moving to Bern didn't kill me. In fact, I've met some really good people in Bern. People I like. Some of you I kind of like. Kind of. That's not who God is. He's not unjust. He's not unkind. It's not consistent with who He is. Too often some people decide, God hates me. But that's totally the opposite. He doesn't hate anybody, even if you're going through hard times. He doesn't hate you. He loves you. Remember a book in the Bible called Job? It starts with Satan presenting himself to God. And remember God saying to Satan in chapter 1, verse 8, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. What followed was Job losing everything he owned, even his family, and then his own health. And God allowed all of it to be taken away. And it wasn't because God hated him. It was because Job was a good man. Don't allow hard times to turn you against God. Life is always changing, but God is not. Let's go from here to the right response. What's the right response? We know what the wrong response looks like. What's the right response? What to say when you get disciplined. There are some of, the, some of the ways to respond when you're faced with the Lord's discipline. And they're right here in this chapter 12. These aren't just... <coughs> these aren't just trite thoughts to share with someone who's having a tough time. These are facts to help you through it with a right heart. Hebrews 12, 5 through 8. And you have forgotten that word for, of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. So, if you are undergoing tough times, one appropriate response is, I'm an accepted child of the king. I'm an accepted child of the king. Men who are truly dads are men who love their children enough to discipline them. It's not easy, and it's not fun. But if a father loves his children, he will make sure that he's pointing them in the right direction through life. That takes work and patience and love and everything else that goes along with successfully disciplining your child. But dads, if you love them, you'll do it. So remember this the next time you feel God's discipline in your life. 
God is treating you as his child. His child. He's treating you like a true child of his. Not like someone who's just over for a visit or someone who never really belongs. When you face hardship, you realize that God is making an effort to grow you somehow. Just say, I'm an accepted child of the King. In fact, I think it's a good idea if we say that this morning. Because I know we all go through things. Just say, I'm an accepted child of the King. Say it with me right now. I'm an accepted child of the King. I'm an accepted child of the King. God doesn't discipline those He doesn't love. He disciplines those He loves because He wants to make us better. In fact, if it's true, then we should expect to be disciplined. God loves you enough to treat you as His child. The next response that we find on how to respond is in verse 9, Hebrews 12, 9. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? I respect God's right to deal with me however He chooses. I respect God's right to deal with me however He chooses. I knew that as a, wild, as, a, as a wise child who respects his father's right and duty to dispense discipline, I knew that my mom and dad had the right to spank me if I needed it, but I also respected their ability to do it correctly. When I had been disciplined, though, I never turned to my dad or mom and said, Who do you think you are? That was a good reason I didn't do that. But who do you think you are? Treat me that way. Respect God's right to guide you. He created you. And you can, cannot uncreate yourself. You cannot uncreate you. You can kill the body if you choose to. But the soul is still His creation. And you will answer for that soul that He has given you. You're in His hands. He can do whatever to you He wants to, and you couldn't stop it. Thankfully, we're not giving that responsibility to somebody else. We can trust Him. We can trust Him with it. Psalms 103.10 He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Thank the Lord for that. It's not easy to say this when you're facing tough times. But let me turn you back to Job again. After he had just received the news that he had lost all of his possessions, all of his children, Job tore his clothes in grief, fell to the ground, and worshipped God. Job 1.21 Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. 
The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. You may not be able to answer why things happen. Job couldn't do it. Job's friends tried and they, they couldn't do it. They blew it. But in the midst of it, you can be sure that one right conclusion is to say, God, you have the right to do whatever you choose. God, I wish that it wasn't this way, but I don't question your right. Even Jesus had that same conversation, if you remember, when he said, Father, if this can be taken from me, if this cup can pass, let it pass. But not my will. Your will be done. One more helpful response comes from Hebrews 12, chapter, or verses 10 and 11. Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. This isn't much fun right now, but I'll be better off because of it. Remember I said in my story, it, it, I didn't care for it. And I still wouldn't want to repeat the process. But I can see looking back what God was doing. I could see looking back that he had my best interests, the best interests of my family in mind. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Physical therapy doesn't seem pleasant at the time. Who's had physical therapy? It hurts. Sometimes it hurts. Six weeks of basic training doesn't seem pleasant at the time. Does it? Basic training? No, but it's good for you. Going through weight training and running doesn't seem pleasant at the time. But sometimes it's necessary for what you're going to go through. All of these things are necessary to get important results. They aren't pleasant at the time, but the outcome is good. If you want to climb a mountain, you first have to trudge up some smaller hills. It's not all fun getting ready to do it, but once you make it to the top of the mountain, the view is worth it. But there's a process to get there. You can't just walk up a mountain to start with. You have to build up the endurance. Whatever you're going through, whatever you will go through, learn to respond to it by looking for the way it will make you better. It isn't pleasant at the time. It can even be painful. But later it produces something good because it... Remember the way Paul opened 2 Corinthians? 2 Corinthians 1, first part of 3 and 4. The God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. We're supposed to learn from our troubles, our 
discipline and help others on their path as well. Haven't you found it interesting how the thing that you experienced can sometimes help another person along? Part of the point of discipline is for the person being disciplined to learn something so that that same discipline won't have to be repeated later. So let's finish this by looking at the goal of discipline. What is our goal for discipline? It's our daily response. Hebrews 12.12 12, Therefore strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather be healed. There's our weak knees, our bum knees again. Strengthen what? Strengthen where you're weak. If you have a limb or a joint that has been injured, maybe put in a cast or had surgery, you may be given exercises to make it strong again. Our limbs weren't made just to hang their limp. If they aren't exercised, they'll become weak. They can become useless if they sit there too long. So what do you do? Well, in the body transform, physical therapy. You know, it's not fun at the time, but you have to work to make it stronger. I am doing some physical therapy right now on my shoulder. And it's helping. It's making it strong again. It's making it more movable again. And many of you that have had surgeries or bum knees have had to go through those things. Spiritually, the same thing can be said. We have to exercise our faith. We have to exercise those things to grow stronger. The letter to the Hebrews have been, has been reminding us to spur one another on. When it comes to the parts of the body of Christ, restoration is more desirable than amputation. Even if it takes some unpleasant work to get there. Did you catch that? Restoration is better than amputation. It's better to be restored to the body of Christ than to be amputated out. And whatever personal weakness it is that you might have, or direct some attention to it, memorize scripture, learn to be an encourager, improve your stewardship, control your temper. Hebrews 12, 14, make every effort to live in peace with all men and be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That's a powerful scripture right there. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Peace and holiness are evidence of the Holy Spirit living inside the child of God. And they ought to be showing up in us. We should be seeing the results of that. We're not, we're not judges, but we can be fruit inspectors. We should be able to see it. Peace and holiness are evidence of the Holy Spirit. We're told to make every effort to live in peace with all men. And I know that a lot of us, that has been, this has been directed to people who are already Christ followers. 
So, what if you're not? What if you're here and you're not following Christ? Well, trouble happens to everyone, doesn't it? Trouble happens to everyone. So if, you're, if you don't have this basis, this foundation on how to respond to what life dishes out, I'm wondering, how do you process that? What do you do through rough times? I am so glad that I have the Scripture and the Lord through prayer and fellowship and friends through the church to help me through the struggles and the tough times. I believe in a God who wants to shape me into something better, to accomplish some good that's even greater than I could have thought or even imagined. And, and I believe that He wants to do that for all of us. So when you feel those struggles, those um, the pain of life, ask yourself, is this a discipline? Is this a teaching moment from God? What, what can I gain from it? And, and don't, be, don't be afraid of discipline. Don't be afraid of the discipline of God. Not everything is discipline. Not everything is. Sometimes it's just life. But God will use whatever you go through to help somewhere down the road. Whether it's to pass along information, to share an experience, or whether it's to grow you personally and get you back on a track that He wants you on. I don't know what it would be, but listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to God, and He will guide your steps. Let's stand. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we come to You in prayer this morning, and we thank You for the, the words that You've given us. Lord, I just pray that you would use these passages to help us understand that discipline is not a thing to be feared from, but you only discipline those that you love. Thank you for loving us. Help us to understand when we are going through something that's an, a, learning, a learning experience. And help us, Lord, to trust you in the things when we don't necessarily see the why. Lord, help us to trust in all things because you are a good heavenly father. You're better than any earthly father we could ever have. And some of us have had good ones. Some of us may have not. But Lord, you are the perfect example. Help us, Lord, to trust you with a whole heart and know that no matter what we face, we don't face it alone. We thank you for your goodness to us and we give you praise in advance for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.